Hello, welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv slash RollTogetherRPG slash schedule. Please do leave a review and we look forward to adventuring together. This is a Friday night talk show where we chat to people about D&D and why they like it and other TTRPGs maybe and uh, the stuff that they do in the TTRPG streaming realm. You may notice I have a friend here with me today who is not part of the usual Roll Together crew. That's because we have Paul from Ampersand and uh, you're part of the stream team. Are you not, Paul? I am indeed. Hello. Thank you very, very much for having me. Hello, friend. Um, yes, I am Paul, aka Ampersand. I'm a Forever DM. I stream um, D&D on my Twitch channel. I make supposedly funny TikToks. And I'm about on the Twitter community um, every now and then. Fabulous. We'll get into a lot more of that in just a second. I've just, I've just got to acknowledge we have arrayed around us. Uh, you you may not be able to see. If you look up, actually, uh, Paul, you may be able to see there's some sponsors and supporters listed above and below you, uh, including Hero Forge, Ultra Pro, Phoenix Dice, Alchemy RPG, Idol Champions, Neverwinter, Eldermond Academy, and D&D Beyond. Uh, thank you all very much for, for sponsoring us. And we also have our D20 Club, our Roll Together D20 Club, who uh, are our Patreons, and they're all really marvellous, and uh, we thank them for everything that they give us, because it allows us to, to do all of the stuff that we do um and if you're uh, if you want to follow us on socials you can find us at roll together rpg and the same if you're trying to find us on youtube if you want to watch this again after the fact that's all my uh, official bump that i've got to do uh so you mentioned that uh, that you also do uh do do the social medias and the tiktoks we're, we're sort of relatively new to doing the tiktoks what, what, yes. what, do, what do you TikTok when you TikTok? Uh, I try and TikTok uh, TTRPG content, but I struggle because uh, I want to do lip syncs most of the time, as TikTok <laughs> tends to be. Yeah. So occasionally I just throw in random videos of my dogs where they're doing a bit, being a bit daft, or nice. yeah, random dice rolls. I try to get stream clips mm-hmm. over to TikToks, but I feel like TTRPGs and DDs don't really favor that compared to when you stream other games mm. they're not really compatible because there's so many things on screen that you need to see yeah, yeah, I, attempt, yeah. I attempt tiktok it's it's a young man's game and i'm not a young man anymore i i've i've not even tried like we leave our, our tiktok shenanigans in the hands of tom and he seems you know, to be doing a good job but our content keeps getting uh, pulled up for for question as to whether it's appropriate or not and then we have to tell <laughs> No, it's fine. And they go, oh, yes. No, it, it is fine. Uh, ah, but, uh, there's lots I see. Of I just had to question that. I'm sorry. I just wanted to <laughs> yeah. check with you that it was fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I imagine that it's it's great if you've got, like, super quick, quippy moments or silly mm. moments that are very short or, uh, like, double entendres or, or yeah. that kind of stuff, but not necessarily for really... Uh, getting into the like if you have a really emotional getting into the weeds of stuff scene that plays out over like maybe five or ten minutes it's not Mm -hmm. as ideal for promoting that yes i also found because we've been streaming for so long a lot of the bits we find funny are in jokes yeah uh, references to like 17 sessions ago Mm. and on tiktok there's no long store long form storytelling on there it's literally if you don't tell the joke in 90 seconds that everybody gets you're not making a good video yeah. Uh, TTRPGs or the way I do TTRPGs just doesn't favor that. Yeah, yeah. So do you do promotion on any other types of social media? So yeah, I'm on the Twitter. Um, on the Twitters. On the Twitters. Um, a lot of my tweets for promotion are scheduled. I try to um, 
spend like an hour every Friday and do the following week's posts. And I try and keep up with everybody else's. You can find me on all of the socials that I am on at ampersand D20. I seem to have monopolized the name. Um That's good. Surprisingly. Good yeah. Um yeah, so mostly Twitter. I did try and move to Mastodon and the B one that I forgot the name of. Hive. Hive, yes. I associate it with bees, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um I just couldn't do it and then yeah, everyone's still on Twitter. So I I just go there. Yeah. It's it's a strange game, social media promotion these days, and it, it feels like an exhausting job trying to keep up with uh, yeah. what you can and can't do anymore, or where's good and where's not. Mm -hmm. So I don't envy anyone who spends their uh, their time sort of actively. I, I sort of do it a little bit for for me, um, yeah. promoting my work, but it's not on the same level as like a company or a, absolutely like a producer. Um, mm -hmm. I've got on a big sidebar about uh, about social media and promotion stuff before we've even really got into the, <laughs> the weeds of uh, of what you do at Ampersand. So, I mean, the, the clue is uh, in in the sort of the fact that you're here. Uh, yes. Suggests that you may or may not do D and D. Yeah, that yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I do really. Um, yeah, I stream Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I've got a Curse of Strahd game on Tuesday nights. Um, and a homebrew havoc game on most Thursday nights. We do a three-on-one-off system. Um, and yeah, Ghost of Strahd, really easy. I've run it before. Beautiful horror game. I keep trying to tell my players that it's supposed to be a scary adventure. They're taking the mick most of the time <laughs> and refusing to follow plot hooks. Um, but homebrew havoc is my baby. We have just passed the one-year mark, um, entering towards the end of season one, and all of my players. I've not only already signed up to season two, but we've already started making characters for season two. Um, and I haven't even finished what we're going to do on season one yet. So that's exciting. Uh, I think if there's, yeah. if there's one sort of like truth or certainty in this world that is that if someone wants to play D&D, they've got a back catalogue of characters they've not had a chance to play yet that they oh, yeah. really want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Humber Havoc is basically a community creation, as the name suggests. I just contacted a bunch of content creators who were so busy creating content, they didn't have time to show it off on stream or test it in a real game. And I said, look, I want to DM. I can't be bothered to create content. You're creating content, but don't have time to DM. Why don't we help each other out? Mm -hmm. And I can DM all of your stuff. So all the monsters, NPCs, plot hooks, uh, locations, characters, um, playable characters, everything. It's all homebrew, not a single uh, Watsy product in the game. And we've been going on for a year now. Um, a lot of the plot hooks were even sent to me as a, hey, it'd be really cool if this idea happened. I'm like, yeah. yes, it would. I will crowbar Let's it in. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the biggest one um, was someone told me, what if there was doppelgangers of all the players that followed the players around or was just ahead <laughs> of all the players' adventurers. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And that sort of plot hook is just coming into fruition now. Ah. And we it's been going on for over a year. These nice. doppelgangers have been following them for over a year of real life. In the campaign, the I think it's like two weeks, but... Okay. Um, this isn't like a, a spoiler for your players for that. No, no, they, they, they know, know that. that season one is coming to an end and they know about the doppelgangers. Um, okay, cool. But spoilers for people who wanted to go back and watch it from the yes. start. You have to go back and pretend that you didn't <laughs> hear that. But know that that plot hook is there and it could be cool. Yes, it's coming. Keep an eye out for it. <laughs> that's very cool. Um, I, yeah, that's a really nice sort of uh, community feel to uh, to doing that. Are you, um, so you run Homebrew Havoc. Are you the, uh, the sole DM on that project? Uh, I am, yes. Project? Um, yeah. All the projects I do, I am the sole DM. I don't like the idea of sharing control, which is why <laughs> I am a forever DM. Um, I've been a player before for D&D especially. I get bored after four sessions really? because I want to change character. Uh -huh. uh, like you said, I've got about 50 characters I want to play. Mm -hmm. And because there's not enough campaigns in the world and they all go on too long, um, I just create NPCs around all the characters in my head instead. Mm -hmm. And then I can play them all and do everything mm -hmm. and get to control the world. <laughs> Not that I have a uh, patrolling complex or anything, but yeah, pretty much. 
So I find that uh, like a, a, an interesting approach. Well, apart from the actually point point one, uh, as one of the things I enjoy about uh, some of the stuff that we do at Roll Together is we have the the mix of we have longer campaigns, mm. but uh, we also have uh, short four parter campaigns. Yeah. So actually, we churn through loads of different characters and loads of different scenarios and loads of different DMs as well. Yes. Uh, that sort of gives everyone a chance to do get through that back catalogue of yeah. characters yeah. And, and play lots of different things. So, uh, so I don't, I don't know if that would work with your setup. If it, if you're doing like um, longer campaign, you've got your published campaign, and yeah. then you're also doing the the homebrew stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess some of the, it, it might be worth thinking if some of the ideas that you're um, you're using of other people's would work better in a, a short form setting. Well, is- I do have a group of players. Um, they're called um, the playtesters. Mm-hmm. And what we've started doing is um, about once every six weeks, we take somebody's Kickstarter idea or campaign idea, and we do a, a rough one shot. It's normally about three sessions. Mm-hmm. So the latest one we did was by uh, Awfully Queer Heroes. Uh-huh. They've got a Kickstarter coming out. They needed a playtesting. So I said, look, I've got the, the players. You give me a test of your module, and I'll run it, and I'll provide feedback. And we are currently looking for um, another session to run. The playtesters have said, yeah, we'll do this whenever you call upon us. Give us a week notice to create a character. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Getting, basically, I get other people's ideas and run them, um, which is what Ampersand Productions was originally about. It's just giving people an opportunity to show off their work. Mm-hmm. Do you get the creators of the content in as players sometimes as well? Uh, no, I actually ban them because, um, <laughs> well, they know the content. And they have That's expectations. True. That's true. Um, what I provide is an outside look without that bias, without having created it step by step, without going through all the different drafts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're obviously allowed to watch and you know take notes of seeing us play. And then afterwards, I have a feedback sheet that I fill out and get all the players to fill out. Um, we spend about 19 minutes after the final session just talking about the campaign. And we talk about what was a DM decision versus a, versus a module decision, mm-hmm. because there might be parts they really like, and you know those parts are the parts I added. In which case, it's kind of irrelevant to the feedback. And likewise, there might be parts that they don't like, and that would be me. In which case, I don't tell them. Um, and but yeah, so we provide feedback. Um, it's a really good idea so far. We've had three people come to us and say, "Can you test this out?" Mm-hmm. And we have enjoyed each and every one of them, and we are looking for more. So, if anyone has a Kickstarter out there who wants it tested out, come chat to me. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, there was a there was a question I was thinking of right in the middle of that, uh, and I think it's gone from my brain. Apologies. <laughs> it's not all your fault. I've had a very long day, oh, so excuse me. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to pick up on was your. Uh, you said that um, you you love to have control of everything, which I think as a, as a, a DM, but also I, you might not know this uh, in my in my real life, uh, I'm a director, so I sort of I get that sense of like having a vision in my head and playing. But do yeah. you find um, how do you find it then when players come in with uh, with their own ideas? Like, do you have moments of going? Oh mate, actually that's fantastic. Let's do that. Like, well, I, I had something cool. That's better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I like to do before every campaign is have your normal session zero, all the players and you, and I also have one-on-one session zeros where I get each player individually, discuss their character, discuss their hopes and their ideas and their character arc, because I hate it when you know you spend. Uh, let's say a year running a campaign and your character hasn't changed at all we as human beings are so different after a year and we don't go on adventures um if i went on an adventure and leveled up by four levels like in my imaginary world um i'd be a completely different person and that's what i absolutely love um not to give any more spoilers away for homebrew havoc for people who want to go back but there is a character played by tony great player who starts off as a drunk, um, just starts off loving alcohol, a rebellious teenager type person, 
from a royal family, but incredibly rebellious. Mm -hmm. She ends up overthrowing her corrupt parents and becoming a lady of the land and completely changing character. Um, and that was all, all her idea, pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, we discussed it. I talked to my players as we go on. I had session 0.5s, roughly halfway through, um, just to see where it goes. And if I think there's a moment where we can create a dramatic scene or a heart-wrenching scene or a big epic moment in the campaign, I'll message them outside and say, what do you think to this? Or do you have any ideas about this? Mm -hmm. And half the time, yeah, their ideas are by far better than mine. Um, and I love players who take the reins a little bit and guide the campaign because I'm making up as we go along. So if you have some control over it in those moments, so those little moments, uh, then yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. I love it when players come to me and say, I want to do this or I want this to happen. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. And uh, with the, um, I'd sort of circle back around to what we were talking about with the uh, your your homebrew havoc and uh doing the the feedback i think it's mm -hmm. uh it's it's sort of a a slightly uh more unusual concept for uh for ttrpgs uh is having that um the play test that's outside because outside of the group of the people who are making it in the first mm -hmm. place like it's such a really useful idea mm -hmm. and i think i just wanted to to highlight this um this concept in a making sure that it that people get that it is a positive thing because it could sound a little bit like oh we're we're just ttrpg players looking for for free stuff to play which again yeah. you also get that sort of vibe with uh you get a lot of streamers nowadays who play video games that are like give me games give me games i'll stream them yeah it's it's good for you but there's a bit of a hierarchical attitude but uh, again, coming at it from a, um, a director's point of view, mm -hmm. uh, I work a lot with new writing scripts, yeah. audio and theatre, and it's uh, it's great to have those sort of those workshops. And if you want mm -hmm. to stream it, if you want an audience to see it as well, then that's great. But um, anything creative, um, there's you know, the you can just sit there and write it on your own. Uh, mm -hmm. And then put it out into the world, but uh, but it is always nice to get that sort of community feedback and group feedback rather than just. Yeah. I think one of the unique selling points that we had was the unbiased view that we provided. A lot of the stuff that we did, I'd never seen before. I'd never even worked with the creators before, and I think it was really important for them that we gave honest feedback. And yeah, we did benefit from it because. Um, we already had an audience, you know, if you were interested in this career, come watch this playtest of their stuff. Um, so it was absolutely a bit of give and take, you know, but even if there wasn't, even if they said, I want you to playtest this, but can you please not stream it? I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you keep talking about from a director's point of view. I'm a trained and passionate video editor. I loved mm -hmm. editing. Um, talking at uni, do it now a little bit. Um, I love taking something and then molding it into something else or like mm -hmm. something better or more impactful. Um, so yeah, taking on community projects like that um, was something I was pretty much always going to do, uh, even if I didn't realize it was something I was going to do. And yeah, uh, completely unbiased opinion. If there are areas that need improvement or need changing, I'm not shy about telling them that. I do it in a constructive way, of course. But I think that honest feedback is more important than me lying to you. And oh, yeah, sure. I also provide quotes that you can use on your Kickstarter page with links to the videos. Mm -hmm. So it helps anyone who wants to donate or you know sign up to your Kickstarter uh, has a place to look at that stuff to get a real taste of real people playing it. Yeah, no, that's great. I imagine the uh, video editing skills come in handy for uh, for streaming yes. and, and uh, yeah, online production <laughs> as well. Yes, they absolutely do. Um, I got into the TTRPG community by offering my video editing skills to people um, by creating like idents and video graphics for their campaigns. Nice. Um, it's an absolute nightmare now because now <laughs> I have three hour sessions to edit and I regret all of it. But a mm -hmm. little, little bit, it's like one minute long. Fine, that's where I'm at. Yeah. 
I uh, I remember I I used to do audio editing on a, a different TTRPG podcast that I was part of, and I really enjoyed it. And I I really enjoy creating essentially an audio drama out of uh, our yeah. our sessions. But whole oh boy, uh, did I overextend from the start out of that sort of. Uh, naive enthusiasm of being like, oh, yeah. I could do this and this and this. But once you set the bar that high straight out the bat, if things get more and more epic and more and more complicated, yeah, oh, the the work just spirals and spirals. I hate audio editing with a passion. I'm hard of hearing as it is, so I struggle right. anyway, and I just don't know it as much as I do like video editing. So I often would outsource that. The the audio editing is outsourced to someone who can hear, um, which I think is completely fair on my part, to be honest, and someone who might enjoy it. Um, I don't really care if they do or not enjoy it. Um, as long as I'm not the one doing it, it's fine. <laughs> fair enough. Well, uh, we've uh, successfully filled nearly... Uh... <laughs> Only 15, 20 minutes uh, before I've even, I'm supposed to be rolling a dice to ask questions. We've got a, a, yeah. an official list of questions. As a secondary so, option, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I might, uh, as they say, roll that dice. Uh, so I've come up with a, a three. Okay. So that means I ask you this. Okay. What is your favorite character class? Um. Oh, you know what? If you had asked me three months ago, I would have said Bard in an instant mm -hmm. without even thinking about it. But, now... but Soul Knife Rogue is just so beautiful. Um, I yeah, Soul Knife Rogue I think is my go-to. I will play it in every campaign. I know it very very well now. Um, I could play it in a moment, pretty much, without even looking at the character sheet. I would just make one up in my head. Um, yeah, Soul Knife Rogue, I think it has the range um, that I, I personally enjoy and all the wonderful traits of a rogue, mm -hmm. who I think is either the best or very close second to Bard in terms of being able to be useful in role-playing and in combat. Mm -hmm. um, it does favour the combat slightly more than the Bard does, obviously, or most Bards. There are combat-focused Bards, if you rarely want. Um, but yeah, I, I love the combat so much. Uh, no, sorry. I love the role-playing so much that I could never play just a straight fighter, barbarian, ranger. And I don't like the magic casters because uh -huh. they're kind of complicated for me. Um, and I can't be bothered to distinguish all the rules uh, between like wizard, wizard and cleric. Um, so yeah, a, bar, uh, a rogue, sorry, soul knife. Nice and easy, throw knives. And you can flavor it, I think, as well, really nicely. Mm -hmm. I think, like, reskinning it or flavoring it is really easy for Soul Knife Rogue. So that's my answer, Soul Knife. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I've never played a Soul Knife Rogue myself. Uh, <laughs> it's quite funny, you were saying, like, I, I, you'd never go for the, the sort of the straightforward combat classes of, like, Fighter and Barbarian. I'm like, yep, yeah, th those are the ones I play. <laughs> <laughs> and then also going into the magic casters it yeah. tends to be cleric uh, <laughs> but um but yeah I, it's less typical for me to play a, a bard or a rogue uh, although they're the ones i've played most recently actually mm. um but uh but yeah in terms of a soul knife i've i've seen them played and i've sort of mm -hmm. I've, I've i've read them uh yeah. in, in the books and uh yeah it's got that sort of um great atmospheric flavor to it and yeah spiritual magical flavor without getting into the weeds of having to deal with a lot of spells yeah yeah i think the limit on how many spells they have um allows me to be a magic caster without flicking through 500 pages of spells and remembering what each one does then remembering how often i've used them have i upcasted them at this point i'm getting bored of my character sheet whereas soul knife Rogue gets do you want to throw the blade yes do you want to follow the blade no okay that's it take one off the eight uses of your spell blade that you can do um so yeah i absolutely love soul knife raid i think also not to insult yourself who play fighters and barbarians uh -huh, uh -huh. but there is so much more that you can do creatively in terms of a battlefield mm. whereas maybe i'm just not creating enough with five fighters and barbarians but it's go forward hit Hit again, hit again, hit again, hit again. Whereas with like Bard and Rogue, um, it's like, okay, where is everyone on the battlefield? Where is my best positioning? 
Um, how can I avoid being hit because I don't have enough HP to survive? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he's just a more tactile or tactical, sorry, mm-hmm. um, tactical subclass compared to almost all the others. And it's not the question, but I think the worst one is Ranger. Um, I, Rangers I like get them. a lot of bad stick. They do, and they should. Oh, <laughs> Ranger is for a D&D of a different time, I think. Really? Um, early D&D There's a D&D lot of 5e. great new subclass stuff, though. I, see, I I will admit, I haven't read the subclass subclasses stuff. Right. But the thing I don't like about Ranger is favoured terrain and favoured enemy. Ah, In... it's changed, though. Oh, okay. In the new rules, I think it might have been Tasha's. Uh, favoured enemy is now favoured foe, and you basically use it like a, an advanced hunter's mark. Oh, so okay. it changes. You don't have to pick like I will fight only dragons, and then there's no dragons yeah. in the campaign. It's wasted. It's uh, it can be um, whoever you're fighting. That is your okay. favored foe, and if they die, you can change it to someone else. Fair enough, then. Fair enough. Maybe it's better than I think. I'm not going to give it a try. I'm going to oh, continue no, playing I, rogue or DM. I would <laughs> I would encourage you to try at least uh, the Drake Warden Ranger because uh, I mean at least I I played a I've played two one shots with a Drake right. Warden Ranger. Uh, and to be fair, most of the uh, entertainment I got out of it was making my my little dragon just the goofiest little soft boy that Aww. was just like dribbling and was like, <laughs> um, uh, and that entertained me greatly. Uh, I That's don't know fair. how it would play out in a longer campaign, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's good fun. And also just a solid, reliable chip damage, um, yeah. I, like which is just fantastic. So mm-hmm. uh, I I recommend giving them a try. I, you know what? I'm not gonna, but thank you. <laughs> I don't tough. play enough. I don't play enough. I'm a forever DM and I'm happy with that. Sure, um, if someone sure. invites me to a random game, I'm going to pick up Soul Knife Rogue because then I can look like I know what I'm doing. Sure. So out of your many Soul Knife Rogues that you've played, your little yes. sweetie box of Soul Knife Rogues, mm-hmm. um, are there any, which one, Choo Choo is your favorite child. Uh, which one uh, did you enjoy playing the most? Um, Who were they? So, um, what was his name? I've forgotten his name because it was quite hard to pronounce because I didn't choose it. But it was a a tabaxi soul knife rogue. Ready, easy to go with tabaxi rogue. Um, But he wore a tuxedo. Nice. A tuxedo tabaxi. Yeah. um, With, like, a full-on tuxedo, bow tie, the lot. And he was basically a hired... He was basically James Bond. Uh, but for the bad guys, he was a hide killer. He had so like 67 confirmed kills and his aim in life was to get to 100 because then he got a gold plaque from the uh, Tuxedo Assassins Guild. Um, Were they all tabaxis? I think so, yes. I didn't get, it was a one shot, so I didn't get to create too much of the sure, tabaxi sure, sure, guild. Sure, sure. Um, I just knew everyone wore tuxedos because they had to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so he was on his way to 100 kills. He got eight more during the one shot, oh, and then they be did. My a, yeah, he got eight more, and then they did a like, "Where are they now?" moment later on, and he had reached 100 by that point, and had a plaque that he showed all the other players who did not seem impressed that he'd gone out to kill more people. And then what though? Once he'd achieved his golden plaque. What did he do? Uh, you get to 500, and then it's a platinum plaque, and then it's a thousand. Uh, if you get to a thousand kills, um, it's a bit, they basically tell you off to stop killing people because you're like killing too many at that point. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know it, what it's would your job happen. To kill. Yeah, I know it's a confusing guild, uh, <laughs> but they can't all kill a thousand people because they eliminate. They've got to allow reproduction. So you've right. got to slow down. How, how many? How many killing. people are in this world that? Uh... It wasn't my world, so let's okay. say. 1001 <laughs> that would be too many people to kill yeah you can't, you can't just leave one person around no. you know i do question the sustainability of a society uh, with that, <laughs> that smaller population anyway <laughs> one shot characters yeah you don't everything um, could be so you said uh, up until soul knife rogues uh, bard was your favorite did you have a favorite subclass with bard as well um i'll be honest with you it was only my favorite because it was the first three campaigns the first three one shots i was in was bard and i don't remember what i played um i don't even know if i got as far as giving them a subclass um but the first bard i ever played was his name was bard 
mm-hmm. and he had to rhyme. He had mm. a curse upon him, so everything he said had to rhyme. Was this a choice you made? Or it was DM regretfully made? a choice I yeah. made. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Man, that backfired. Mm, I can imagine. I'm relatively good at thinking of rhymes on the spot. I am not that good at thinking of rhymes on the spot. I overestimated my ability by quite a lot. And by session desperately three... Avoid, desperately avoiding saying the words purple or orange. Well, yeah. It's like, <laughs> what rhymes with bard? I can't think of any word now. And by the time I thought of Hard. words to say, the conversation had moved on. Right. Um. So I was like, oh, wait, could we go back to talking about that thing? Because I can think of a rhyme now. And by session three, I was like, DM, can I find a way to lift this curse? And they went, yeah, just stop doing it. It's really annoying. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, the campaign finished about two sessions afterwards, so I didn't even get to enjoy speaking normally for long enough. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, that, uh, that dual feeling of, like, the player's like, oh, no, I have... I, I've come up with this curse, so I must do this thing now. And I wish I hadn't, and I wish I could stop it. And the DM is simultaneously thinking, I really wish they'd stop doing that. But neither, <laughs> neither of you had just yeah. said earlier, Both of like, well, this he is wants silly. To he wants to, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, that was probably pretty much it. But it's uh, like a, a fun concept to throw at people for a very short amount of time. Maybe, yes, as a, like an hour. Yeah, exactly. There was uh, one of the streams that we had recently, the um, Huxley's Book Club. It was very sweet. Go and watch it. It's great. Uh, the uh, the characters were drawn into um, a demiplane run by a god of storytelling. All right. And they they accidentally triggered, a, a, I think it was a curse, where they had to, like, the not the players, the characters would speak as if they were narrating. Oh. Uh, but it only lasted for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Right. And it was absolute chaos for those 15 <laughs> minutes. And just mwah, amazing. If it had gone on and on and on, it would have been tiring. But yeah. for a short, short amount of time, that kind of, uh, yeah, uh, rule to impose upon the, the characters and therefore the players can yes. be great fun. Yes, uh, I'd love to do a musical session where the curses uh, the characters have to sing, but I've yet to get permission from any player at my <laughs> table to do that. Um, and I'm not just going to impose it on poor, defenseless yeah. players. I'm I'm not that cool. Yeah, yeah, that that that's quite a, a big step, especially if you're streaming it online. Yes, it's, it's one thing if you're like at home with some friends and mm-hmm. uh, and and just there's the sort of like no pressure to be yeah. good and it's all just it's very silly uh but uh but yeah i can imagine people getting sort of uh in the, in their own heads about uh about needing it to sound a certain oh, yeah. way yeah absolutely and i'd panic if someone asked me to sing on the spot on mm-hmm. stream um i'd do it but i'm an idiot um <laughs> with no would shame i would absolutely sing on stream yeah um i there's not much i wouldn't do for money to be honest <laughs> today i'm going to sing <laughs> and I'm going go. to put on my fancy hat because I like our host. Her name is Nat. And you got the rhyme in there. Yeah, well done. I know. No fancy hat, though. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I know. I couldn't reach it in time. I'm sorry. I like <laughs> Marvellous. I'm going to roll the dice again. Go for it. She'll roll that dice. Okay. Uh, we've gone up to number six. 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 Yes. Which is how... Did you start playing TTRPGs? Oh, great question. Um, If anyone's ever listened to me in my life, they will already know this story, but I love telling it. I was told I would be a great dungeon master before I'd ever heard of Mm -hmm. D&D or TTRPGs at all, to be honest with you. Uh, A couple of my colleagues were talking, turned to me and said, Paul, you'd be a great dungeon master. And I froze. I was like, what's a dungeon master? What? Is, is that a is that a kinky thing? <laughs> Sounds like a kinky thing. Yeah. I hope that you should be saying that to me, guys. This I'm your boss. Inappropriate work. Like, like, yeah, go, go stack some shelves. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I said no. You know D and D. You've heard of D and D. I was like, no, I'm not heard of D and D. Admittedly, I was a massive nerd. Looking back, it was quite a surprise that I hadn't heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they said, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, 
I'm very surprised you've not played. You'd love it. You love telling stories, all this stuff. Can you run a game for us? And I was like, I've not heard of this thing, but yeah, sure. Why not? Um, this sounds so like the perfect pressure. time to do it. It is, right? You put on a person. Oh, you'd be good at that. Run it. Do yeah. it for us. We know about it, but you don't. Lead it. Right. And I thought that's a terrible idea, but sure. Um, I'm not doing anything this Saturday, obviously. So he said, fine, let me do some research. Uh, it does sound fun, admittedly. It does sound like my sort of thing. Uh, so I do some research and I'll get back to you. Um, so I did my research. I, for whatever stupid reason, came up with my own TTRPG system. That looking back, was a mixture of point by and uh, just dishing out points of inspiration willy-nilly whenever I felt like it. Um, and so I put it up at work, said, right, anyone who wants to play D&D... Come to my house at this time we'll play a game um i'll create 10 characters and then you know four people will turn up and they could choose out the 10 characters great 11 people turned up uh-huh. to my house for my first ever dnd game wow that's quite um, a party they kept knocking on my door i was like why are you here well, i want to play dnd okay and then by the, the eighth person i'm like this is getting a bit much fine uh, we had one D20 between all of us. Wow. Um, that we had to get out my dog's mouth at one point, I will admit. Um, but who was just loving all the people over? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, I created another character. The balance was all over the place. One person was playing Daredevil. One person was playing Deadpool. One person was playing the Avatar. Um, like, the balance was absolutely all over the place. All the, I rarely knew was that nat 1s were bad, nat 20s were good. That was the extent of my knowledge at that point about D&D. And yeah, it was absolute chaos. Um, They fought some spiders, they almost drowned. It was an absolute manic session. It took us about four hours because of how (laughs) many people there were. We didn't make much progress and it was horrible. And I fell in love with D&D and DMing after that. Um, and I thought wait, there's going to be wait. an easier way to do this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say clarification on that sentence. Like it was horrible, and I fell yeah. in love with D and D after that. Was that because uh, like it was horrible, but I fell in love with it anyway, or it was horrible, but then I went away and looked at stuff to make it easier? And no, it was horrible, and I fell in love with it anyway. Yeah. Um, there was so many parts of it that I absolutely loved, and the parts that I thought were a bit chaotic was having eleven people. Um, so I decided to never have 11 people at my table ever again. And touch wood, I've kept to that promise. Mm-hmm. It was really easy to keep to that promise. I stick it to around four or five now. And I think that's a good number. I'm going to stick there. Yeah, yeah. I I love the, <laughs> the pure carnage. Yes, I'll do this thing I've never done before. Sure, I'll, I'll just invite everyone. They won't show. Oh, they all showed guess it did just yeah. yeah wow like just no matter what it is if someone's never done it before you don't let them be in charge of it <laughs> their first time like invite me to a game first looking back they are incredibly lucky that it went anywhere near as good as it did everybody loved it everyone had a blast very few people turned up to work the next day because of how uh, late we went uh-huh. um luckily i didn't get the blame for that um and I lived 100 steps from work um, right. at the Did time. Did you go so, to work? Yeah, I went to work. I was okay. fine. So you didn't I went to work excuse. at like 5 a.m. the next day after three Oof. hours sleep. Oof. I was much younger back then. I was so much younger. I could not do that now. So the people that asked you in the first mm-hmm. place, uh, you should like D&D, you should DM for us. Do yeah. you still play with them? Do you still, are you still uh, No, I don't speak to any of those people uh, anymore, but not because of the DMing. Um, right. It's just been so long. I yeah, did yeah. for a while. Um, it was a manic one shot. And then after that, we struggled to get all 12 of us off from work uh, on the same day. Wait, um, you tried to get everyone back again at the well, same time? Yeah, think about it. Wasn't the easy, yeah, okay. I was new, okay, sure, to sure, this sure, sure. DMing world. Enthusiastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, That's not to be sniffed So at. I gave up and found new players, but everyone loved it so much, and so did I. And my girlfriend, wife now, but girlfriend at the time, said you were a complete natural at this. You made every single person cry with tears with how much, how funny it was. Um, do a bit of research and find places to do it. So I did, and I started playing as a character that's when I realised I didn't like it and I've been being a dungeon master ever since 
Fair enough, fair enough. Oh, that's right. So do you play with your wife a lot? Yeah, she's in my Curse of Strahd game. Great. Um, she is um, always present when I stream my Homebrew Havoc game. She is the person I bounce all my ideas off. Uh, she provides me with so, so many better ones. Um, and then sometimes she'll tell me that this idea worked or this idea didn't. And yeah, she's absolutely a huge part of uh, my TTRPG world. Um, even if she's not on Twitter, she's not in front of the camera for half of it. Without her, I wouldn't be able to do half the stuff I did. So yes. Aww. It, it is nice to have uh, have someone that you can bounce the ideas off in that way. Um, mm. My my husband does play uh, D&D and other TTRPGs, but not like not to the same quantity as I do mm. and not online like yeah. I do, only home games. But uh, but yeah, I think if you have a a, a partner that is not into D&D, um, I'm not saying it's impossible. It, it, it's just... I've heard someone before compare talking about D&D games uh, similar to talking about a dream you had whereas for you it's a, a, a visceral and exciting thing that's like wow this is incredible and then this happened and this happened and it was so uh, wacky and amazing and <laughs> for the, if a, the person that you're talking to was not part of it was not there it can be a, it can be like oh great yeah tell me more or it can be like uh-huh sure Great. I, 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 yeah, I, I get that. I've not heard the phrase like I've not heard it be described as similar to a describing a dream, but I can see your point. I also think because D D TTRPGs, I'm sure, like with yourself, is such a big part of my life. Mm. I, I'm either at work or thinking about D D or both. I'm at work thinking mm -hmm. about D D. And if I didn't have a partner who was also excited or at least interested in that part of my life it would be a struggle of course it would but whenever you're passionate about anything you want to share it with the people you love with the people you care about and if they're not fussed by it it can be disheartening and it creates a disconnect whereas whenever i go to my wife like oh in this game i'm planning this or you know they're gonna be betrayed or they're gonna killed or there's gonna be a huge explosion everyone dies ah um i like her to be as not as excited, it'd be very hard, but at least pretend to be excited about what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she is. Especially oh, if like she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if she's uh, playing in your campaign. That is the hard part that I found because I rely um, so much on her bouncing ideas off her. When she's in my campaign, I can't do that mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, she's mm -hmm. in it. Um, so I have no one to talk to about the massive plot twists I'm planning yeah. uh, because I can't tell her. Which does suck. So she's only allowed to be in one game at a time. <laughs> I guess it depends on the kind of game, because because some games you might be. And again, I don't know your wife, uh, but uh, I think some games you could probably get away with sort of bouncing ideas off a person and then them going, "Yep, that's fine. I can pretend that I don't know that," and they yeah. could truthfully be like, "What? Genuinely, what? Would, how would my character react? Genuinely, yeah. uh, what would they do? Not knowing." the secret she probably would be fine with that but i like to see raw reactions on stream and because i stream all my games i like to see her be as surprised as everybody else <laughs> and she's not very good at fading surprise i will admit it um, oh. so she'd give away that she knew straight away um and i also like after the game her going oh my god i didn't know you were gonna do that why didn't you tell me it's like because i like this conversation yeah um so yeah, I like giving her surprises as much as I like any giving any player surprises. Mm -hmm. I what you just uh, were talking about there sort of points to something that uh, we talk about um, session zeros all the time mm. and the importance of having session zeros and chatting to players about their expectations and mm. their wants and, and wishes for the campaign. Um, it's also so valuable to have little post-show wrap-ups, not just mm -hmm. at the end of a campaign, but like after after each session to just ha allow yourself those moments of like oh this was really cool when uh and oh i didn't see that coming and and all of that and uh i mean we we do them through stars and wishes i don't know if you know yeah. that system yeah yeah um which works really nicely and gives it a little bit of structure but also helps that sort of post game debrief and cool down to sort of because mm -hmm. otherwise especially if you're playing online you're just like and now I close my laptop or turn my screen off and I'm just sat in a room on my own with a, a black <laughs> screen going, okay. 
Okay, that was a good show. Go me. <laughs> that was a lot. I completely agree. And a lot of my um, sessions, episodes, whatever you want to call them, I love ending on a cliffhanger. Mm. Um, especially with Homebrew Havoc when it's the end of a trio and there's two weeks for people to wait. So I like ending on big cliffhangers there to draw people back in. So I always have to have 10 to 15 minutes with my players after a stream for them to go, oh my God, that was an amazing cliffhanger. What's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out in two weeks. Um, but yeah, I always think like a brief cool down with your players is really important, especially like you said on stream, because I my stream is a show. All my players are part of the show. They're in on it. It's a performance. Um, and to go from me as a performer to me sitting at a computer, there needs to be a transition. Otherwise, it's too jarring for me. I'm sure it's too jarring for my players as well. So, yeah, we need that moment where we're just sitting, not as players, not as performers, but just as people with a passion for TTRPG, just going, that was great, guys. Really well done. We did fantastic there. People were loving it. Or even, like, guys, that was a heavy session, had some um, combat or near-death experiences for some of you. How are you? Are you all okay? Um... If at any point I cross the line that you weren't comfortable with, not that, you know, I've ever done that or ever would, you know, go near those sort of things, just let me know. Um, if you don't feel comfortable doing it as a group, let me know privately. I'm always open. I always encourage open communication with my players, as any good DM should. Um, and sometimes I'm even like um, Shiv, who is a regular at my table. Shiv, I'm going to message you because I have a certain way I want to take this. And I just want to run it by you so that you know what's going to happen and that you can prepare for it in any way you want. Um, but yeah, absolutely. A post-session a post session chat or post-session rundown is very important. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. I think we've got time for, for maybe one or two more. So I'm going to roll that dice again. Roll that dice. Thank you very much. I love that. I didn't have to tell you that's how we do it, and you just sort of picked <laughs> up on it anyway. Uh, we're sticking with multiples of three. This time we've gone to uh, 18. Woo! Uh, so this one I might reword slightly because you mostly DM, but who's the best villain you've ever faced in a game or ever got to DM, got to play in a game? Ooh. Um, uh, best villain it's going to be tough because I've never played games long enough to get to a BBEG. But really? my most, yeah, I've only ran two long form campaigns, like proper right. long. Um, but my most hated NPC that I love playing, uh -huh. um, is probably a guy called George, and he is the chief of police esque person in the original town that my homebrew Havoc players are were in <laughs> and he basically turned up his whole role very low, low level role on the day was to turn up accuse the players of stealing mm -hmm. um and then they would say we didn't steal i will go fetch the thing you think we stole and bring it back to prove our innocence completely by the character that was it you were never going to speak about him again um until my players said those fateful words What's his name? And I blanked because I hadn't prepared his name. Uh, um, <laughs> so I went, uh, George. And they absolutely hated George. They absolutely despised him. Um, how dare he accuse these people who were present at the scene of the crime for committing the crime? Um, yeah, they hated him so much. I wanted to bring him back uh, just to mm -hmm. rile the players up. So <laughs> since then, Every chief of police in every town is called George. Um, <laughs> there is George, there's Sir George, there's Big George, there's Mini George. Mm -hmm. And each one of them is a chief of police, and a lot of them are very disliked. Um, the original George has now accused... Oh, there's so much context going into this. Um, accused one of my players of rubbing his genitalia onto a pastry that he was planning on eating. Is that a, like a crime in the city? Yes, you're okay. not so, like he he rubbed, he actually did do it. He did commit the crime. I mean, I would mean, um, like to clarify: it's an awful thing to do, and you should not yes. do that. 
but uh, the way it was worded made it sound like, ah, the law number th- th- 38, <laughs> one shall never <laughs> rub one's yeah. genitalia onto like, the pastry. He, he, it was an owl then, rubbed his genitalia onto a pastry, gave the pastry back to the baker and said, can you sell this to George? Um, and it turns out the baker told George this because NPCs do normal things sometimes. Um, and so George took them to court and effectively sued the players. So we had an entire court episode where it was just George as a prosecutor and the players as defendants. And I'm a huge fan of law and like law and order and courtroom dramas and stuff. Uh, so I've rarely played it up. And yeah, George is my favorite bad guy. Um, Can I ask yeah. what, uh, what prompted the, uh, the, the abuse of the pastry? Uh, they knew George was coming in. Right, okay, so it was purely just to antagonise him. Yeah, that was exactly it. Um, and then, well, so the, they did the, that. Did, did, they, did, they, did George win the court case then? Um, sort of. It was a, a lighter fine because the players did good defending. Um, the perpetrator of the crime has to serve community service in two months' time. Right, um, okay. So it's a delayed sentence. But they, they, could, they should have been punished a lot worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did really good job of being defendants. They could bring the way that I did it was that they could magically bring in any NPC as character witnesses. Uh-huh. So all the people they'd saved, all the people that they looked after, all these people were brought in, and like, oh, does this character seem like the type of person who would do this? Uh, and they'd obviously go no because they just saved them from a dragon attack or something. Um, yeah. I think they, it sounds they, like they, it sounds like you went far too easy on them. I and, probably did, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was funny, and I couldn't exactly go. Oh, you're all in jail now. Session's over. I've seen a bit. They were quite in the middle of a heavy moment. It was sort of a filler episode, right? Uh, or a bottle episode. That is actually what it's called on TV. Um, it was just really. I wanted to do a law. I wanted to do a courtroom drama. That was all it is. It was purely yeah, yeah. self-serving. Oh no! Like sounds sounds excellent. I am yeah. very much on board with uh, with that <laughs> setup. Uh, but just you know, from the evidence you have presented to me, I think they should have uh, they should have been charged worse for that outrageous yeah. behaviour. Poor pastry. Did, Poor baker they, to put the baker in that position as well. Yeah, I know. It was a bit hard. They did uh, really well because uh, the mayor of the town was the judge, mm-hmm. and they brought in the mayor's son to the stand who they had saved and rescued from uh, the mines in a completely different town miles away. Um, so the judge's son was a chief character witness. Mm-hmm. So the judge was definitely persuaded by that point. Fair enough, fair enough. And I, I love the concept of uh, every the, the Pokemon style, every police officer is called George. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what inspired yeah. it after the yeah. first George, yeah. Have you have you taken that further? Do you now have like a doctor in every town with the same name? Interestingly, they've yet to meet or need a doctor. Um, uh, so no, but so far all the police chiefs are George. And yeah, not there. Maybe in season two we'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a baker as well. Maybe in every town. or a, <laughs> a, a cabbage guy. <laughs> I like it. I there's like. There's got to be someone selling cabbages in every town. <laughs> that, that's that's my rule. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> Right, I think we've got time for one more, so I'm going to roll that dice. Yeah, roll that dice. Sticking with the multiples of three, that is a nine. Uh, Oh, this feels like a nice nice one to end things on. What advice would you give to a new player? A new player? Um, Listen to what the DM is asking for in terms of character creation and just have the absolute most fun possible. Um, Make sure you are at the right table with Assassin Zero, Um, because some players want to do nothing but combat. Some players want to focus more on role-playing. The type of players I like are the role-playing side, because that's what I like to do. Um, Not to say that it's never combat, although I can't do combat. I just don't find it as interesting. Um, And what I mean by listen to the DM is, there are some campaigns that I've ran Homebrew Havoc is one of them where I've said, I want as much backstory as humanly possible. Um, Give me absolutely everything. I want your life story ingrained into this campaign. Um, And then there's Curse of Strahd where I've said, 
I'm teleporting you all into the Curse of Strahd domain. Your backstories are not really going to have much of an impact. Have a personality? Sure. Mm. Uh, and motivation? Yes. But I don't need to know about your seven or eight siblings, unless you want me to use it to psychologically torture you as Strahd. Mm -hmm. um, which suddenly all the siblings disappeared after that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just have fun and always, always ask if you want to do something. It doesn't matter how outlandish it is, the DM will either say yes or no. That is their only options. If you're at my table, I will probably say yes. Um, the pastry rubbing genitalia is not even the top five weirdest things I've let my players do. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you think something should be in a room like a table or a boulder ask the dm they'll probably say yes and then you can launch a boulder over there wonderful um don't be afraid to be creative and just like i said just have fun that's all it is about um yeah a lot of my advice is making your dm's life easier because i'm selfish and my life should be as easy as possible <laughs> um but yeah absolutely have fun and go wild and do crazy crazy things lovely some great advice i would say enjoy it find find good people and and be good to them yeah and uh, and yeah get stuck in great stuff well i think we're, we're just about wrapping up is there obviously uh we've talked about uh ampersand d20 and the campaigns that you run on there uh did you want to just do uh, another quick rundown what's what's your schedule when when can people find you where can people find you mm -hmm. So, um, you can find me on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter at Ampersand20. And normally, when my internet works, you can find me um, every Tuesday and almost every Thursday, bare minimum, playing Curse of Strahd and Homebrew Havoc, respectively. You can occasionally find me on Monday evenings um, playing Playtesters um, every six or so weeks, whenever we have a Kickstarter to playtest, basically. Keep an eye out for it. And starting at the end of June, you will be able to find me Friday nights at is, um, 11 p.m. BST. So whatever time zone that is. Uh, very late, we are running Descendium, which is another homebrew campaign where Viking warriors face off against the Greek gods. They have to climb Mount Olympus until they meet Zeus and rescue Frigga from his clutchy little hands. Uh, but that's not to the end of June. That is 11 p.m. BST uh, because we're trying to tap into that American audience. Mm -hmm. And apparently I don't need sleep. So 2 a.m. bedtime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not to the end of June for now. Um, probably won't be uh, Friday. Hopefully yesterday you should have all watched Homebrew Havoc and then next Tuesday and next Thursday. My internet isn't back up by the time this episode goes out. I'll be in a puddle crying. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, before we go, is there anything you uh, would love to talk about that you've not had a chance to talk about? Um, no, we have touched on all points. I've got a Kickstarter coming out, but um, I'll talk about that more closer to time because it's not until uh, later this year. But yeah, come check out Twitch, Discord. I'm assuming we'll put links below. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There should be links in chat right now if the Kobolds uh, are on it. Thank you, Kobolds. Love you, Kobolds. Do your jobs. Do your job, Kobolds. No, well, okay, no, well, hang on. Because our other show that we have, Talking as a Free Action, uh, where I play my uh, my Question Master character, she's not very nice, and she's not very nice to the kobolds. So in Talk Together, I, I like to be nice to the kobolds. Well, um, you can be as nice as you like. I'm telling them to get on <laughs> with their jobs. George will come and arrest you. Oh, no. Okay. Well, uh, look out, kobolds. I'll try and protect you as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, thank you everyone for coming and joining us for Talk Together. You'll find us here every Friday, 6 till 7 p.m., uh, currently BST, but GMT in the other half of the year. Uh, we'll be talking with people together, and it'll either be this kind of show, or it'll be a post-show wrap-up, or it'll be Talking as a Free Action, uh, which is our little uh, Crystal Maze-style uh, dungeon crawl where we take a character from one of our campaigns and we run them through some trials and tribulations and such. Uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays, you can watch our D&D games. Uh, currently, we've got on Mondays alternating, we've got uh, Fracture, which is our long-running campaign, and I believe it's either the very end of Huxley's Book Club 
or it'll be the start of our new four-parter campaign. So look out for that. There will be details in chat. Uh, and then on Tuesdays, we've currently got replays of uh, one of our old campaigns, which I believe is still Sea of Swords Forsaken. So uh, have a look at those. All of these streams at twitch.tv forward slash RollTogetherRPG. Uh, roll VODs are available immediately after the stream. Or you can catch up on YouTube or on podcasts. Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you can find us on uh, on all the socials, sort of, uh, most of the socials at RollTogetherRPG. Uh, come join us on Patreon supporters. Uh, we, we love all our Patreon supporters. They're all fantastic people. And uh, you could be as cool as they are uh, from as little as one of your local currencies per month. So so please do. It allows us to, to do all of the things that we do. Um, that's everything from me. Uh, any final words, Paul? Um, have fun, stay safe, and stay sexy, guys. Stay sexy. All right. All right. We'll add that to our list. We usually finish this out with... Uh, Stay classy at the table. <laughs>